Hi everyone, Rob here. Before today's episode, I wanted to say thanks so much for everyone who has watched and followed along with all of our first series of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. Some of these movies were less than easy to get through, but we still had fun, didn't we? Now, if you've made it this far, you probably know that it's extremely helpful for you to click all of the links in the show description for all of the various ways you can contact us and support the show. But also, the biggest thing you can do is just share this link to this episode on social media or with your family group chat. Thanks again for supporting Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. We'll be back, don't worry. We haven't even gotten into today's episode, so there's nothing to worry about. But wanted to give you a little bit of information. Bill and I will be doing some bonus episodes between this season one and our next season, which are going to coincide with just some fun times we have towards the end of the year. Will there be a Halloween episode? Maybe. Will there be special guest stars joining us? Of course there will be. Will we have holiday-themed episodes? Fingers crossed. But until then, enjoy today's episode. Hey, and if you haven't listened to Rob's other podcast, a comedy show about... And I say Rob, say me. Come on. It's a comedy podcast about... Vanderpump Rules. It's called Vanderpump Robs. Check it out. There's a new season going right now. If you haven't heard any of the other Bridge Burner Podcast Collective pods, go to bridgeburner.page and check those shows out. There's so many fun independent podcasts out there that revolve around this Bill and Rob's universe. Hey, let's just say we're one planet in the Bridge Burner universe. Check them out. And enjoy today's episode. an excellent adventure and today we're talking predators from 2010 bill how are you i'm feeling pretty good robs how are you great i love how we just ping-ponged back our intros of who is who i didn't have to say i'm rob schulte you didn't have to say you're bill tilly that's what happens when you're on the final run of a franchise baby (laughs) you can see that caution tape down at the end just ready to be broken The Chariots of Fire theme is playing. It's right there. And it's bittersweet because I love this project and I love talking to you, Robs. And I am looking forward to this discussion about Predators. Absolutely. Now, Bill, a little house cleaning up top, okay? Big news. Since this is the end of the Predator Valverde verse that we've been trying to concoct, longtime listeners of Bill and Robs and Excellent Adventure know that this show started off as a reboot of Pumpkin Spice Podcast, which 
it still like has the DNA in its bones. And some of these episodes will live on that feed for fun. But we have bigger, bigger, bigger fish to fry for future pumpkin spice seasons. And that's why we have evolved, much like the super predators in this film, into a super podcast that cannot be contained by just horror. That's true. Basically, we have taken this and Pumpkin Spice is the face hugger that has attached itself to this new reboot and this new life form. This glorious, glorious thing has been born. So, oh, man. Well, Bill, I think something that would be good would be to kind of recap the Valverde Predator world that we've been through in just a, just a couple of minutes, because I took cold medicine this morning and I started thinking back to all of the Predator films we've watched and some of them really started blurring together. <laughs> like one and two distinct. Uh-huh. The Alien versus Predator, Aliens versus Predator, colon Requiem, Predators, which is what we're watching today, and The Predator, which is what we watched last episode. Out of order in terms of years they were put out, but in order in terms of continuity. Bill, you're better at this than I. Can can you give me the quick run through? I can indeed, although I think you've really hit on something, Robs. I think there's at least one movie in there that demands that you drink cold medicine before you watch it. <laughs> we'll get to that one. So, yeah, this is not really a twisty, turny universe, but it's pretty simple. The whole basis of chronology the Predator movies all kind of line up. Predator, the classic Schwarzenegger movie, begets Predator 2, set around 1997 from Predators 87. Fast forward a little bit. That gets us to the Aliens versus Predator crossover movies. They kind of slip there in the middle. That's kind of your gooey nougat center in this large kind of like when you're watching star trek voyager but stuff in ds9 is happening yeah that part's your little bit of wish fulfillment where you're like oh i wonder what would happen if this one fought that one wouldn't that be cool those movies are what they are so we move into what we're listening to today which is predators is next in line for the timeline but not for the chronology it was made next but it's actually the last movie that's too confusing. I'll pick yeah. that up from... <laughs> no, Alien. keep this, because I'm confused, too. The chronology, chronology after Aliens versus Predator right. is the Predator with it's... all of these fancy, good-looking people. Yes. Well, that's also Predators. God. So this movie franchise has done itself a real punch in the face by not putting numbers on anything. No. As far as no, that no. goes. But it, it has its own reasons for that, which... I come somewhat disagree with because it's hard to remember. <laughs> and it messes you up, I think, if you're watching these movies. Luckily, this one doesn't connect so well to the other ones. But And I think that's why it comes at the end, because it's a whole new world. It is. It's, it's literally a whole yeah. new world. It is a total offshoot. So come out of AVPs. That's where you should pick up The Predator. That's the next film that takes place in line in the Valde universe timeline. That gets us to predators with adrian brody so that is the film we have come here to watch and talk about today and as we talk about this film we should note that like the reason it comes last because the entire movie starts in media ray and stays there and never gives us any hint at all to where it falls within <laughs> the series technically it starts in media fall 
Yeah, in media fall. Clear in about media it, the opening to this, failing. The opening to this movie is an acrophobic nightmare. I, I got to give it full props for opening in a way that you're just not at all prepared for. Well, Bill, should I read the back of the DVD? Rob, I think you should access the file, open the manila folder one final time on the mainline Predator franchise, and let us know what is Predators all about. <laughs> All right. It says right up here, not redacted mission briefing. So interestingly, at the back of the DVD box starts like this. Robert Rodriguez presents Predators, always a red flag. A bold new chapter in the Predator universe. Adrian Brody stars as Royce, a mercenary who reluctantly leads a group of elite warriors in a mysterious mission on an alien planet. Except for a disgraced physician, they are all cold-blooded killer mercenaries, mobsters, convicts, and death squad members. Human predators. But when they begin to systematically be hunted and eliminated by a new predator breed, it becomes clear that they are now the prey. Now, Bill, as we learned in the previous episode, they aren't really predators. It's that's the wrong word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They should be hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Nah, predators sounds cooler. Well, it does make sense that like, I think in the comics, they're the Yatuja or something. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm already finding it disturbing that we are drop quoting the predator, a movie <laughs> that once everybody hears our review on that, we'll realize why we really don't, need to drop quote that movie ever true they've heard it they know and apologies to all stars and stripes you know to be fair anybody out there who watched the predator we had to watch it too so we're all in the same boat yeah we're here yeah we didn't get it we didn't get a leg up on anybody on this project at all not at all it's a very weird film bill today's film was directed by uh, nimrod antal who I don't know, he's directed a couple of Stranger Things episodes and some Metallica videos 10 years after they came out. I don't know. Never heard of him. That's that's on me, though. That's on me. Now, Robert Rodriguez, I guess, just slapped his name on it in terms of script. Something along those lines? Something along those lines. Of course, he was still a hot prospect kind of director-producer back in there. And I think this movie does have a Robert Rodriguez vibe to it. Absolutely. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for this movie, considering where they take it to. So I'm, I'm kind of down with it. I feel like he's brought something that needed to be done in a couple of ways. One of them very specifically, which I will bring up in our next segment. Antal, I didn't know him either, but to be fair, everybody, one thing we haven't mentioned, you know, we're not director encyclopedias mm-hmm. on this no. thing, but we do see names come back and forth. And there's an interesting fact about our director that i think also i will discuss this in our next segment that puts a light on how this movie was made and also how insane it is to make any movie yeah here's the thing though like bill stated that you enjoyed this film i enjoyed this film i think the end of that sentence is to an extent Mm -hmm. because it ain't a perfect film no but if you had no idea what this movie was and i told you the cast consisted of lawrence fishburne Marshala Ali, Topher Grace, Walton Goggins, Danny Trejo, Atlas Braga, Luis Ozawa, 
and Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody maybe being the one who go, hmm, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't that sound like an all-star cast? Of all these things, it's the most stacked cast. If you mm-hmm. really look at it for the number of people in it, it outshines, take out Predator, which sure. made its own lore, but of all the sequels that came after, I think your, your next closest is Predator too, and that's only got three really big names in it when this one has more especially for the time and once you hear robert rodriguez and danny trejo i mean come on who yeah you're not this is a total dust till dawn vibe <laughs> mm-hmm. you've got going machete and all that stuff so yep. this is a big deal uh, i would totally watch this movie based on that list alone and you tell me somewhere in there's a predator i'm in yeah on a uh, side note i think my first Robert Rodriguez experience was from Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And that's when the movie channel Stars first came out. Mm-hmm. You remember Stars when it was new? We we're like, wow, we've had HBO and Cinemax for and Showtimes for so long. Now we have Stars, and all they're playing is from Dust Till Dawn every weekend. <laughs> yeah, the beginning of the oddly named channel was soon to be called an app. So yeah, actually, my first experience was also from Dust Till Dawn, but I reviewed this for my college newspaper, The Lantern of the Ohio mm. State University. I was the movie reviewer on the paper at that time, and I got to see the midnight showing of From Dust Till Dawn. Wow. And you didn't sleep until dawn, I'm sure. Back in those days, I barely slept <laughs> at all. So, yeah, that <laughs> rolled right into it. But I slept after this movie, but I slept happily. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to sleep after this recording because of previously stated cold medicine. Ah. Now, Bill, before we get into the segments, let's talk big picture. Aside from some really terrible dialogue and some twists that I don't feel are necessarily deserving. This might be one of the funnest Predator films. The idea is there. It's got a kernel. Like, you've got all of these people with a a particular set of skills that have no idea how they got there, and it's like, it's cool to see that stuff flesh out. I think there's some situation that's really cardboard, like, I am this character. Sure. I am this character. Mm -hmm. And I am this character with no depth, but like, I don't know if they eliminated like half the cast and like really developed those characters. We could have had first Predator solid script, I think. I think so, too. I think there's some tweaks in here that could be done. It is conflicting because I think it is the best sequel Mm -hmm. of all these movies. Setting aside Predator 2, which I have discussed, and I now view it as its own thing. So I'm, yes. I'm not splitting the entire franchise into it's this own thing, but of the straight, direct, in the vein of Predator sequel, this one really hits. And it does suffer from trope stealing, yeah, which is always not great. I'm agreed with you. The thing that really kind of hits me a lot with these movies is one way or another, they form a team. And one way or another, that team dies. Mm-hmm. So. You can't really invest a lot in some of these things. You're just waiting for the axe to drop on a lot of your main characters. I agree with you. The cast is too big for this particular thing. The change I would make instead of cutting half this cast is I would meet half this cast as being people who had been brought here from earlier hunts and sprinkle them in throughout to allow that to kind of develop where we are instead of leaving us in the dark for so long. Well, and rather than like just meeting Lawrence Fishburne, which was 
actually a really cool introduction to his character. Right. Know? He's adapted their tech, blah, blah, blah. But like that could have still been in the movie, but they still could have discovered other team members. Yeah, they could have done a thing almost, I don't know, maybe even sort of Walking Dead-like where the setup is, you know, they hey, there's other encampments of humans on this planet that are still alive. And, well, and this movie is obviously like writing the coattails of Lost, the TV show. Yeah. Right? I mean, it yeah. really feels that way, at least. And if they liked that vibe, one of the coolest things on Lost was when you realized that, like, there's a whole other camp of people where the plane landed on, like, the other side of the island, mm-hmm. you know? And so you followed this group for, like, a whole season. And then it's like, oh, shit, there's more of us. Yeah, it upsets like, the trope of the team and at least puts you on a footing to where, like, okay, now I don't know what's going to happen to all these people because yeah. this isn't the team that all has to die in front of us because predator law requires it. <laughs> Stamp. Mm-hmm. Predator law. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Burn into your skull. Yeah. Yeah. Law. yeah. If you're uh, not main billing on a Predator movie, you're, and your Val Verde passport comes back, they don't stamp your page. They tear it out and burn it in front of you because you ain't coming Absolutely. back. Absolutely. I think we should probably get into our segments at this point, but I still probably. have more to say about this friggin' plot, man. Especially the ending. Like, uh huh. What? And also, Adrian Brody, he's your Schwarzenegger analog? Uh huh. Don't, don't get me wrong. He looks fucking shredded, but he doesn't need to be wearing low rise jeans the whole movie. <laughs> no, he does not. Also, thank God we didn't have a repeat SNL experience with him in this movie. Oh, dear God. That is definitely a good thing. All right. Time for our second segment, Bill. It's called Military Intelligence. I'm passing the file over to you. This is the segment, everybody, where we pick interesting stuff, production, history, casting ideas that we come across, facts that we like. And I actually have several, so Hell I'm yeah. going to get into it. because should, should we bounce back and forth? I've got three sure. at least. I'm going to start out with the fact that it's neat that we mentioned Danny Trejo's in this movie. And apparently when the script was written, it was written with a character that was a Danny Trejo analog that Danny Trejo found out about and went, hey, I look like Danny Trejo. How about I be in your movie? And they put him in the movie. That's great. Everyone knows Danny Trejo and Robert Rodriguez are buddies. So it's uh-huh. just like, at what point was Robert Rodriguez going to go like, hey, was going to make the other call? You know, like, hey, yeah. Danny, like, I got this movie. Yeah. Like, was he trolling him or was he just waiting to have dinner with him one night and tell him that so that Danny could look across the dining table and be like, uh, dude. <laughs> that's me um, i have the giant chest tattoo yeah like, it couldn't be anyone else yeah Even I though he wears the... a denim shirt this whole film is <laughs> he is kind of weirdly dressed like a camp counselor for some reason it's... yeah i mean i would trust him you know for sure you know if i'm gonna go out in the woods and make birdhouses and stuff this is the guy i want to go with so absolutely all right your interesting fact rob well i will start off with the fact that Derek mears plays the like kind of OG looking predator, the like original predator. Mm -hmm. And he also stood in for Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th remake, which is actually pretty decent. 
Do you, you think know. there's a club that they all belong to that when they're out, they're like all these guys that took over these killers, you know, creature suit roles. They just have like their own table they get at and discuss like, uh, so heavy, so sweaty. God, I would love to be a part of that. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. That's a podcast build. Get mm-hmm. everyone who's ever played Jason just sitting around and watching the Jason movies. Oh, dude, I'll t- let me tell you something. As somebody who has met stunt people and people behind the scenes on large productions, if you can forget interviewing the actors, those are your stories. Those yep. are the things you want to. And why aren't hear. stunt people getting awards at the Academy? Come I on. No, probably because they got rid of their jobs with CGI. Practical effects in this movie, though, alongside mm-hmm. CGI, I should say those dogs with the tusks. Amazing. When they were practical, the blurry CGI, not so much. But anyway, right. Bill, you have another fact for the military intelligence. I do. I like the fact that the jungle alien that's chasing Topher Grace around there is the abandoned predator concept from the very first movie. It's the Jean-Claude Van Damme suit tweaked for modern day. Wow. Which one was that? Is that the the bird one? Yeah, the, the bird one that kind of looks like he's got a almost like a unicorn horn yeah. on him somewhere. It's just because there's the bird one, the dog one, and then the berserker one, right? With yeah. Like the gold jaw. Yeah. So that one's just like kind of worked that back in a little bit. Of course, it'd be great if they got Van Damme to do it. That was some real justice, but yeah, that wasn't going to happen. So that was a fun fact. I'll call him up. We'll see what happens. I have another one here, Bill. Luis Azawa insisted that his character Hanzo fight using kendo as he is a practitioner of that form of martial arts. And apparently, I guess in the original script, like most Hollywood things, it's like, oh, Kung Fu. We like the word Kung Fu. That sounds, he's like, nope, I would like to uh, actually use what I practice. And we'll get to that more crucial scene in a moment. But I do love it when an actor is like, okay, I see what you're doing with my character. And if we want to do it right, Please just listen to me because uh-huh. it will give your film more credibility and less things for people to complain about because you don't know anything. Yeah. And that explains a lot because when I watched the scenes with him in there, there was something about it. I'm like, I don't know why this feels different. I mean, it's a sword fight, but, you know, one goes with the other in Hollywood. There's always swords and Kung Fu. And I'm like, that explains it because I'm so used to seeing the standard moves. I'm like, this just looks different. So yeah. it's a different fighting style, which was kind of fun to see. Yeah, it really, I think, added to the film in a positive way. It really did. Now, uh, what else do you got? Because I only have one more. All right. So I am going to wrap these couple into one, which makes sense, which Ooh. Relates to our director, uh, our director, Antel. Right before he came on board, apparently the studio said, we have no faith in this story. So we're going to hire you, but trash this. Here's two screenwriters and 10 days. Bring us a new outline from scratch. Oh, my God. Which I think is madness. It's madness in a way of I understand Hollywood is a weird place and getting movies and TV made is a creative, collaborative mess. But you and I are production people, Rob, and we understand that the calendar waits for no one. And I just don't know how they make decisions like this at that time. Millions of dollars behind this, too. And and then give somebody no time to, quote unquote, fix it. Now, regardless of whether you think he fixed it or not, that'll come later. But that also rolls into the fact that Robert Rodriguez, who was on board, he laid down a mandate that Predator 
was only to be used for reference points, i.e. things that happened in that movie, things that are technologically right or work within the character. No references to things in the movie directly that he could see. And he held Predator up to the staff and said, this is what we want to do, the kind of movie we want to feel. All the other movies, he said, don't do this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. he held up everything in the franchise at that point and went, we're not doing any of that, which include, he said, in Predator 2, which, uh, again, I hold Predator 2 as its own thing. So as we know, that might be one of the best episodes of this season. It so might. if our listeners have not listened to it, go back. But but I think when I watch this movie, it still winds up being a bit of a trope salad. Oh, yeah. I think this directive of saying we're going to build on the good things, but don't regurgitate everything back directly if we don't have to, I think really is a good way to start out for something like this. To create a new version, which I think that we're both in agreement so far at this movie, is a new take on the sequel. Even though, because it's such a big franchise, I think the gravity of Predator pulls back into the trope land. You can't sure. escape certain things, but I think that leads a lot into why I think I like this movie. So it was a good call. I think on Rodriguez's part, good for him. No, I think that's a, a very good way of like actively demonstrating some, like a simple directive mm -hmm. that can be executed by a team without them having to like come back and be like, did you mean like, like this or, mm -hmm. or like that? And like, no, if it's here, let's reference it, but let's not, like copy line even though they do copy quite a few lines they um do. but the lines in this movie are i mean it's not like the most incredible dialogue regardless of the lines they take right. um all the lines that and across these franchises i feel like that could very well be some studio oh yeah in, oh yeah involvement going you know like no you've got to have the line oh god well and Here's the thing, and this goes into my next and final military intelligence fact. Before I actually read this, I, later on, you'll hear me say in my notes that, like, it feels like this was a script that's been shopped around since, like, the 90s. And that's why some, like, really weird and uncalled for dialogue, even if the character is bad, a bad guy... It's just like doesn't withstand the test of time. But like the film's basic plot was conceived in 1994. OK, OK. When Robert Rodriguez was working on Desperado, he presented the draft to 20th Century Fox, but they turned it down because the budget required was too large. And then 15 years later, the studio decided to follow through with his script. And in the end, an updated version was made in the way that you just described now did you ever see freddy versus jason uh yeah i did see it now there's the notorious line that kelly Rowland says where she says the the f word that is not fuck okay and yeah. it's like even me being in like high school or whatever it was when i saw that was like whoa aren't we past this this is not the breakfast club you right. know like and then walton goggins uses that as well, as well as like assault humor and like things that here's the thing. I am not like clutching my pearls type of guy. Sure. But you can tell when you're like that line was written in 1994 and then no one changed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but there's so much that has been updated, regurgitated. It took 10 days to do 
they're like, okay, it's in the script. Let's do it. But it's so strange to see some of that stuff. And that's just like the beacon. That's the like North star of like, Whoa, retake that scene. Right. Well, it's so rough because you know, that line of course is in the 87 movie. Jesse Ventura. Yes. Says it. But yes. when you see it later to me, that thing is like every other thing now it's to me, it's just like, you're lazy. It's yeah, just, that's what I'm saying. Lazy like, line. It's just a lazy, bad joke that you couldn't think of anything better to say. And I think these movies suffer a lot. Of our, our Alien versus Predator sequel suffers from that because that is a cornucopia of people saying the word fuck. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Predator. They must say it every other time. It's like, come on, guys. I'm not a prude either, but enough. Just there's there's the difference between like, yeah, I understand it's a bad guy. And like, come on, I'm just bored with like the lack of creativity. Right. And for the setting, it's like, go back and count the words in Predator. Once yeah. they get into the jungle, not a lot. It's not the dialogue that's going to pull this movie through. So yeah. don't try to show how cool you are with that <laughs> stupid reference. It's bad. And get Adrian Brody a belt. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, do you have any more intelligent facts? My last thing is one I've had to bring up before this was the last time that we will see the offer go out to Schwarzenegger oh. in the predator timeline to have a cameo. He was offered a cameo in every official sequel <laughs> for one reason or another didn't do him, And he couldn't do this one either because he was busy being the governor, but they also had plans to offer a cameo to Danny Glover as Harrigan. And can you imagine? Oh, that would have been great. It would have been great. I just, man, that's the thing. It's like some of these films are so much better because you understand what they could have been. Mm -hmm. And you almost respect them because of that. And that's mm -hmm. what makes them fun. Yep. But then it makes it even more fun to hunt and peck for all these weird little tidbits as well. Yep. And this is the one sequel out of all of them that I think is worthy of those cameos had they had them. Yeah, I agree. I completely yeah. agree. Well, Bill, should we move into settling the score in our segment I like to call, entitled by you, Settle the Score? Ah, uh, not too on the nose, is it? <laughs> this is the part where Rob has acquiesced that we can talk about the music in the movie if we have anything to say. And franchises have been tough. I'm going to admit it. This wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be because there's a lot of pickups and a lot of common themes through there, but... All these movies have affected me differently. I love yeah. music. I love soundtracks. They're all part of the thing. Uh, Alan Silvestri was asked to come back and do the music for this one. And uh, he couldn't. He was on the A-Team movie at the time. So mm. they handed the reins over to John Dibney, who used a lot of his influence. And my one big note on the sheet for this is I like this one. I yeah. like the music. I think this is a good example of how you do it. It's yep. got its own identity. All the music flows together. And where they do pickups from the classic, it slides right in and it doesn't hit you over the head and it carries on throughout the movie. It's got a nice, consistent feel to it. It's good. I really like it. I couldn't say it better myself. One of the notes I wrote down was like so happy to distinctly hear the original Predator drums in this one. Mm -hmm. And I think that like that is the big complaint we've had is like. If it's been used in the past, been used so sparsely that you, you barely get it or it's like a tongue in cheek sort of thing. This one actually feels like it's not even an homage. It's just like this is good and it fits. 
Yeah. And it's also just to take it one step further, this movie doesn't bash you over the head with predators either. There are multiple predators, but like they have very little screen time in the scheme of things, which is something that we've been dying to get since mm-hmm. the first movie. Yeah, it's sparse, but it, it, you're right. I agree. It all works together and it's not obnoxious. It's, yeah. It just really works really well. So hats off to John Tipney for knowing how to pick up stuff from Alan Silvestri and how to work it in with his own stuff. Good job. So, Bill, who's yeah. going to have him some fun? Well, now. This is going to be, I think, interesting because we're going to get into some fun parts of this movie. <laughs> so this is a, a big cast, as we talked about. There's a lot of big personality in some of this stuff. And I would think my first instinct might have been to go with Danny Trejo. But when I really think about it, as I'm watching this movie, as it goes along, I am going to do the thing that you unwritten rule. You're not supposed to give it to your main star, but I'm giving it oh. to Adrian Brody. I'm giving it to Adrian Brody on the consensus that there are some things about this that I think are weird with his character, but is it that he talks like this the entire time? I wrote down in my notes. Oh, he has Batman voice. That's fun. I'm a killer. Yeah. That's a killer. That's a choice I could have lived without. But what I do like is that he really leans into the action hero role in a convincing way. Um, Yeah. He's, he's realistic. He's another soldier dropped into an incredible situation. He's not a Schwarzenegger. He was purposely picked because they wanted a wiry crew. They didn't want a bunch of muscle-bound guys. And that's a preference that you can take either way. He did put on 25 pounds of muscle for this movie, and he does look good. He looks, he's a, you know, he's a, a decent-sized guy, could easily be soldier build. He, he moves well. He looks like he knows what he's doing. His voice is terrible. <laughs> it's the one thing I can't abide by. It drives me nuts. But... The big thing about it is he's clearly a trained killer in this movie. He's leaning into that whole hardcore thing, but he manages to do it without being an asshole like McKenna was in The Predator. Yeah. Yeah. He's clearly not an angel. He's not the best guy. He's making decisions that are going to get him and the rest of his team out of there alive. And if he's got to leave somebody behind because it's tactical, he's willing to do it. And he just really kind of embraces it that whole time. And I believed him. I believed him as a guy that would be in this situation. But when aliens start popping up, he's ready to rock. So his yeah. final fight scene at the end of the movie, while a complete ripoff of the first movie, I enjoyed it. God help me, I enjoyed it. He uh, <laughs> it kind of rolled out the way it needed to roll out. But the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, good on you, Adrian Brody. It's almost like if he had looked to the camera and looked at us being you and me and went, come on, you, this was coming. Right. And it's like, yeah, we all want to cosplay muddy Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on. And he just goes for it. So I give him props for that. He is definitely having, I think the most fun with this role in a far serious and gravelly voiced kind of way. Well, and you know, to your point, Bill, he is a believable character and you struggle with liking him because as the movie goes on, you're like, okay, he's our main guy. Uh, cool it kind of is a jerk but then once things come up like you're saying like it's all tactical he he doesn't want to leave someone behind because they're dead weight and he's annoying no we're leaving him behind because they set the trap so that we would have to carry him so that we would be easier to kill you mm-hmm. know and there's always a reasoning and it's not belabored you know it's not a belabored reasoning it's it's a i've done this before i've seen this before right if we proceed down that path, 
we will die as a threesome rather than just one person. Right. And I love it when that happens because I think it breaks that thing of, and you see this a lot in Marvel movies, and you see it a lot in new Star Trek things that we watch a lot of these days, that there's that character moment where they're given adversity and they simply look the camera and they say, we're going to get over this because we have to. Yeah. Almost like they're writing the script. And you're like, Ugh. and it usually works out that way, but it undercuts the tension and the feel and the and the achievement of the character. And Brody's going along. He's he's making decisions like he's this isn't his team. This is a yeah. group of people he's been thrown in with. So he's not selling his unit out, but he's also saying, I've Look, known you, you know, for 12 hours. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we need numbers. And if you want to come along and listen to me, that's great. But it it doesn't have to be cookie cutter like that and it's it makes it real and you're kind of invested more into it you're not just sitting there going "Ah, that's not gonna work out because it's gonna work out that's no fun and this makes it fun so i like what he does with it absolutely and speaking of star trek new star trek specifically i think that goes into who i think is gonna have them some fun the only monologue long monologue much like new star trek that we get in this film is from topher grace's character at the end, which is the most bizarre twist this movie <laughs> didn't need. <laughs> Agreed. So sometimes monologues can be great, especially when it's bad guy monologues. Sometimes monologues can be extremely overdone when you're an actor who demands to have one in a TV show every single week. Now, that's my theory. I don't think that's actually how it's written, whatever. But prestige TV does like to have people monologue for way longer than they need to. But a bad guy monologue, that's just par for the course in a trope salad like this movie. So Topher Grace's character, Edwin the Doctor, apparently is a serial killer in real life, uh-huh. and that's why the Predators brought him there. But like, he has some reasoning that, of course, the Predators actually like him because he's one of them in terms of liking to kill. But that doesn't make any sense because... All of these people are killers. So what's going on there? I don't understand. I, I I think I actually get it from the Predator's point of view. Like, let's get different types of killers. But obviously Edwin is having the most fun because, wow, a world where I can do everything I want to do. But I would think that someone on Earth who likes to like kill people in a serial killer sort of way also probably likes that because there's a thrill in it. Uh So he's creating his own thrills by being secretive and sneaky and keeping the poison till the very end. But it is not motivated or justified (laughs) in any way. And I do not understand, like, what happened between 1994 and, like, 2005 where they were like, yeah, we got to keep this, but we got to change. What, like, what changes were made? Anyway, the character is having fun because it makes no sense. I love it. I love it. And I, I love the fact that when he first pops on screen, when they're, you know, you do the thing where it's like, who are you? The first thing he says, I'm a doctor. And it's like, and who introduces themselves with their title? Yeah. Like, you don't walk into a room and you see somebody and go, Hey, podcast producer. Extraordinary. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do because people just need to know that I'm the top of the mountain. Well, you uh, should. I introduce myself meeting, as friend of podcast producer. Extraordinary. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> Best social media director in the land. Oh, that's the kind. that's the uh, name tag you get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just so silly because it, you could just tell like the alternate take is 
I'm a serial killer. I'm a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is he supposed to be the damsel in distress in this movie when you're because there's no reason for him to be there? No, and he he doesn't give any inclination of why he's there. Really, he's just kind of like he got sucked out of drive time on his way to the office. And it would be so much better if he was just a medic. Yeah, because the predators are like, but that would have Ooh. to require that would have to require a little bit more thought into the script that they did not have time to put into True. where everyone's ability actually helped as a team. Like what if Alice Braga as Isabel was actually just like a sharpshooter? Like I am a sniper. Doesn't matter which right. department I come from. I'm a sniper, you know, Walton Goggins as a crazy inmate. How does that make him any different than Tover Grace, right? He's just a killer that got caught. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't make him any different. Once you learn that switch, it's like, okay, I don't yeah. know where you're going. Oh, clearly, this is just some kind of weird casting mishmash that they thought would look good once it was all put out there. So, and I like Tover Grace a lot. He was a guest on Literally a few weeks ago, and when I did like a sound check with him, when it's just me and him, just making sure his stuff works, one of the nicest dudes in the world. So I know that he must have had a blast in this, just especially the way he talked about being on Black Klansman and that 70s show and stuff oh, like no, that. Like, if only could have worked in that question into his sound check. Oh, nice. Man. But we so, uh, I'm recording this episode on Predators coming yeah, up. And we all know Rob's a pro. Rob's not going to do that. That's <laughs> that's a big no-no. So, But that would have been cool. Yeah, I, I like him on screen. I mean, I... I had to get over the sour taste of him as the in Spider-Man three after sure. watching that every time you see, but it's like, all right, I have a good time watching him. So I can see where you made this call and I fully support it. Best venom. Anyway, uh, it's time to bleed. This is our like favorite death scene or favorite gore scene, particularly now you went first last time. So I'm just going to, tell you my number one and my runner-up okay we've got the danny trejo death which i think is actually really cool because visually i think it looks amazing there are some amazing looking shots in this film and seeing his body slumped over as you hear him say help me or as we find out later the predators saying help me could be the background of my desktop. Like, it, it's very pretty. And I think then when you see Braga, like, kill him, quote, with the gun, that is such a unique death that we haven't seen in a Predator film of, like, oh, no, that we're being tricked is pretty cool, especially after Adrian Brody shows that it's a trap, yada, yada, yada. But my runner-up is just the... uh Walton Goggins spine rip because you gotta you gotta have a good spine rip in a predator oh, movie. So brutal. Yeah. Oh man. And you kind of are really itching for it after you this he's he's a no good Nick. He is. He gets what he deserves, and that is the spine rip, I think, to end all spine rips in this franchise, because that is up close and personal that we get to see it for the first time ever. I think that had to be a note on somebody's wall in the room. It's like, oh, we're showing this shit this time. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what we're doing. So totally get those picks, Rob. How about you? And, hey, 
I think it only appropriate. We're going two for two on this one. I'm going with Trejo. Hell yeah. It's weird because, you know, he pops on screen and the time he's like, he's a big name and he goes out first. And that just throws this whole movie into a weird headspace for me, which I think works in its advantage in the end. It's just odd. I mean, almost feels like it was like maybe a scheduling decision. Like we've only got yeah. Danny for like two days. Well, they so, only had Fishburne for two days. So, <laughs> you know, he we're, we're just going to have to take him out sooner. And it's weird because, you know, he's a big gun on the screen and it makes me question the validity of the lesser characters a little because it's mm-hmm. like you've got Edwin and Stans and Mombasa where it's like, all right, these guys are all tough in their own way or whatever. But Danny's going. We're taking Danny. I, I was I was counting on Danny to do some real wild shit in this movie yeah. before it was over with. I, he's like, is he going to be the Billy character? You know, is he going to just take off and show his tattooed chest and eat one of these things a lot and come up? And no, he's gone. And you're right. I mean, he goes out off screen in a way because he's yeah. lost in the firefight. You don't find him again. And that slumped over scene out in the field is awful creepy. I mean, it is yeah. straight up horror movie. It's probably the most pumpkin spicy. Yeah. Out of any of these. Out of any of these. And you you get the read. It's one of the examples. Brody's like, we can't, you know, even if he is alive, we can't. We can't go out there. That's just a full-on trap. And and when she takes him out, I mean, we've seen the characters promise to shoot each other or actually do it as in The Predator. We see the mutual takeout. But this one's real human. Like, this is one where it's like, she does not want to do this, but it's kind of the nicest thing she can do right now. So it's a real grounding moment. So it really, it really sets the tone for this survivalist movie that it does pretty much stay in for most of the runtime. So I enjoy it. I like it a lot. And good on Danny for being able to be a big name and he's willing to take one. And it's like, I'll, I'll do my two days and go out and give his star power and go. Hell yeah. I mean, like, you wrote a character that looks like me. Let me play it. Okay, we're meeting in the middle on how it can actually be done. Bill, I think it's time for a debriefing. We're in the room with one table and one light. The doors are closed. We're ready. The card's sitting next to me for some reason. Yeah. The the clone, the robot clone of Patrick Stewart. I-card. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Ooh. Ready to crash. But yes, I think this is a very good movie. And I think it's a good Predator movie. This is the second time I'd watched it for this recording that we do. And it let me focus a little more on what was going on. And I see it like this is a self-contained story. It builds on the original, probably through Rodriguez's mandate. Like you use it for reference points, but don't have to clone everything unfortunately it does wind up doing that it does slide into the trope salad of the you know the team's got to die and you know you've got to have the the mud predator fight at the end and the team is a little too on the nose analog the spetsnaz character has a minigun so he's the new jesse ventura so it's almost like uh i'm in a too close movie yeah. don't really need to do that and it, lawrence fishburns when he popped on screen it's like morpheus and i'm like yeah. oh no and it's like you know, he's I, I could see a future where if if Mac had survived and wound up on this world, you know, he could easily have been that character, which would have been fun, but impossible. But it's it's an enjoyable movie that is enjoyable without being insulting or being overwrought like the Predator was. They, they make it holds its appeal. Like we said at the beginning, 
You don't have to know anything. Just watch this movie with this cast. You'll have a good time. If you've never seen Predator, you'll like watching this movie. It's fun. If you go back and watch Predator after watching this movie, I think you're going to like Predator even more. Absolutely. To see where it comes from. But I really, I like what they did. They, They did a good homage. The stuff that's overworked probably i'm gonna blame on the studio so i'm not oh, really yeah. gonna blame it on the rest easy of like, like let's take the easy road because that is usually the right one and i and i weep for the franchise that this could have been because oh man the setting of this movie and the way it's put up isn't really interesting concept it really lets you flip the script on who's good who's bad who's hunted who's not and kind of doesn't carry through on that, which is a little bit of sadness. But if you watch this movie on its own, uh, you will enjoy it. I believe if you're into the Predator movies, this is a good one to go with. Yeah, I'd say this is kind of like in that Pacific Rim level of film, right? Fun to watch. Right? Oh, but... well, we'll have to put that on our, our robots theme. Pacific Rim is not a franchise I'm familiar with. Oh, Bill, me either. But I've seen clips. I think I'm going to say that, like, I really liked where the film was headed. I get what they're going for. I think it's fun. I agree with everything you said, but elements of the film and characters were just so far off the mark that I've already belabored in earlier segments that like, if they would have had more time and not been rushed to change something in 10 days, I think would have been a really nice spit shine, you know? And then this is what I brought up earlier it's almost as if this script was originally written in the 90s and then they had to workshop it again for 2010. Like writing that before I actually found out that's what happened is insane. Mm-hmm. Hi, Terry. We're almost done. Rob says hi. <laughs> I was trying to be stealthy. <laughs> See, she's trying to sneak in like a predator. She yeah. needs a little shiny thing going around her, though. <laughs> but she shines all the time. So shine bright like a diamond. She is the she is the predator that has hunted my heart and claimed it as her own trophy. We're keeping this in the app. <laughs> this is amazing. I love that. So yeah, Bill, I think we're uh, on the same page. The biggest thing is the weird Topher Grace unmotivated twist at the end to yeah. just force a twist in there, which is very much a studio note. Yeah, but. And- one other yep. note for the studio, the amazing sequence where everybody's thrown out of that's how you get on the Predator World, which we didn't mention. You're thrown out of apparently you might sky. see a white light, but you wake up falling. Yeah, you're in for total free fall at terminal velocity and you've given some shoots that are way too small for you to stop at that fast. So everybody in this movie dies in the first three seconds. Or shit real pants. So yeah, you really need a new way to onboard your people to Predator World. The Predators are clearly just fucking with everybody. Yeah. When, but you think about it, when you watch these movies, for the most part, predators don't land their ships. They jump out and then roll on the ground with their little pods. So I guess that's how the only way they know to get anywhere. So when they just grab their people, they're just like, hey, good luck. <laughs> Dump them over the side. <laughs> like, like, like ballast. So I'm like, what? These people are messed up, man. Well, Bill, how are we rating this one? In a little segment you have titled Late Fees. <laughs> Late fees is our version of the rating system. It applies only to the movie that we've watched. They don't cross over. And it's where I give Rob a one to five things that he would sacrifice in order to keep a hold of his VHS copy of the movie we've just watched. In this case, the Predators movie from 2010. 
Yes, yes. So if I really like it, I would give up more things. Yes, he would give up more of the things. So this movie's jungle-based, got a lot of neat stuff in it. I can't say that a lot of things stood out as far as props or anything like that, but one did. And then part of the movie, when they're walking through the jungle, Topher Grace's character, Rob's favorite person in the entire world, <laughs> finds a plant, a very odd plant, just yes. out in the open. And of course, one of the team members, the Spetsnot man, he wants to go touch it because that's what you do in a place you've never been. You go touch all the fauna to make sure that you get all the poison. Yeah. And it turns out this plant is a paralyzing plant. If you touch it, it will paralyze you, as we will learn later in the movie. He uses Chekhov's plant. It's Chekhov's plant. So I think this thing would be fun because if you knew what it was, like think about how many meetings you could get out of, Rob. Oh, or you could self-dose. Like if it's like, hey, this is our monthly and this is going to take at least three hours. So everybody buckle up. You could just give yourself a little nick of this and kind of just. Hey, you know, just get on by. Microdose prehistoric plants. Yeah, I see a lot of use for this paralyzing plant. So. It's colorful, but in its usefulness, very. I think this could be a very fun thing to cultivate on your windowsill and your and your upscale, lovely LA abode. So, were I to hand you one to five seedlings of this plant to grow for future use, how many of those would you give back to me in order to keep a hold of predators for one more day? Well, as we've discussed, this is one of the better predator sequels. Warts and all. Mm -hmm. I think I'd have to go 3.5. Nice. Yeah. 3.5 out of 5 because that is exactly what this movie is, right? They mm -hmm. they nail the story. There's no real weird plot holes or anything, which is notable in the past movies we've watched. Yeah. There's no plot holes. There's just no. too much. Exactly. There's, it's 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack, you know? Mm -hmm. 10 pounds of predator in a 5-pound prey. <laughs> How about you, Bill? Because I don't, I don't think, I don't think I could give it more than three point five. Rob, I'm right there with you. I'm right there to three point five. Four would be too many. That gives this movie more credit than it deserves. But it is a solid three point five. This is a solid Saturday night. Have some popcorn. Tight runtime kind of movie. Self-contained. Don't have to do anything. And I like the. I think the good outweighs the bad. I think we're, of course, more attuned to it because this is what we're doing for fun and you have a background in this i've been watching movies my whole life i've gone, gone to journalism school stories are important to me sure but this movie's a good fun movie so i'm willing to overlook the weird parts of it and just let it happen so i'm going to be in the three and a half so that means i'm in three whole plants plus the fourth plant i'm gonna take out of the little terracotta cup and i'm gonna cut it right down the center and i'm gonna put that part in a little Dixie cup, and I'm going to spread some extra dirt around my hand that back, and then I'm going to keep my 1.5. I think that's plenty to, of paralyzing agent for a normal person to run Totally fair. With. So I would definitely be down with that. Well, that's great, Bill. And you know who else would be down with it? Our listeners, one of which wrote in this week. Oh, dear. Yeah, so uh, it's a little segment we like to call Going Dutch. So we've given you the episode, and now you're giving us a question. It's a tit for tat, you know? We're splitting the bill here. Hey, your name's Bill. I know. Uh, Please don't split me. Just split no. that paralyzing plant. Yes. Mm. Bill, today's letter comes from Jenny from Duluth, Minnesota. Hi, Jenny. Yes. My boyfriend and I recently watched all the Predator movies over the course of a month. Aren't I a good sport? 
my question to the excellent adventure team is this. That's us, Bill. Um, when all is said and done, which Predator movie would you throw on at a party? You know no one can hear it, and people won't be really watching it. But which one would you provide for the best party atmosphere? Wow. Because, and you know, I'm adding in addition to this, Bill, like, what makes a good party film? Because something needs to go on, and I think it has to be action. You know, no one's throwing on Nell with the sound off at a party. Well, not now. That's what I was going to have the next time you and Mrs. Colombo came over. But I guess I'll have to just get that rid of that. I might First the rule. Mirror. First rule of Bill and Rob's an excellent adventure is don't throw on Nell at a party. No, don't don't throw on Nell at a party. That would be bad. That is interesting. Party movies are weird because I don't go to a lot of parties. But no, but we both have been to the parties where we're like, God damn, thankfully something's on TV, even if I can't hear it. Sure. And I'm with you. It's got to be something that you don't have to, to think about too hard. So an action movie would go well. Oddly enough, I'll tell you what it leaves out. It leaves out all the AVPs for yep. me. There's too much of that. It actually leaves out the first Predator movie. Yeah, because you need the setup for that. So I wouldn't wish the Predator on anyone, which leaves this movie and Predator 2. And I think I'm I'm going with Predator 2, Rob. I'm going going with with Predators. I'm going with this film. All right. All right. You know why? Because the story is told perfectly in silence. Like, I get it. I get what's going on. True. Who cares? But I also feel like Predator 2 has a little bit of that going on as well. True. I think exactly. I think that's a fair statement. You, you can watch this visually and know what's going on. Predator 2 is a little more cartoony, I think. So yeah. I think yeah. you might I think you also want a movie that people can float in and out of, but maybe not get totally invested in because they'll just wind up watching the movie at your party, depending on what you want to do with it. But yeah, I think for me, Predator 2, and I fully support Predators for you, Rob. I think both our parties will be awesome when we have them and we don't play now and we each play the movie that we've picked. That's awesome, Bill. Well, Bill, there's so many Predators, so little time, and now I'm Adrian Bruni. And I just watched every single Predator movie ever, and I wore low-rise pants. I I feel uh, like I've been pushed out of an airplane and woke up in midair. Uh, now, that we've, uh, <laughs> now that we've reached the end of this roller coaster ride, but I don't know. I'm feeling good. I like it. Yeah. I think everybody can see now this is an interesting movie. It's a it's also a fun movie, and it's definitely why we picked to end the series on this one. So it's not in the same realm of the original movies, but it definitely shows the progression of time, and it kind of shows you how things can change once you get a little little more budget a little more take but at the end of the day it always comes down to just one person covered in mud versus one big slimy nasty predator i still love that scene with danny trejo though great that is so cool and oh my god bill can you believe it i was one hour away from being in the same room with Danny Trejo just the other day. No. So as of this recording, you know, this is probably a couple months ago, but his new movie shadow of the cat came out shadow of the cat. Here's, here's just the description. Just, you know, Gato lives with his teenage daughter, Emma and a small group of people on an isolated farm without phone or internet. 
But Emma, tempted by curiosity, gets a mobile phone. Apparently, it's it's a thriller. It's cool. People really dig it. But guess who's in this movie? Among many other people besides Danny Trejo, Guillermo Zapata. That name sounds familiar to me. It should, because he is one of the co-owners of a little restaurant I like to call Sir Guillermo. I'm just so used to hearing only his first name. Yes. And so I was at Sir the other day while they were filming an episode of Vanderpump Rules. Wow. If only there was a podcast that covered this show that we could listen to. Wow. And I would, if it were, it would be called Vanderpump Robs, and it would be on the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective that you could see more podcasts at bridgeburner.page. Anyway, what a great thing. Yeah. Um, and I knew they were going to be filming, and I was hanging out with uh, another person who's on that show. His name is Peter. And I was like, hey, it's not weird if I show up to Sir. I need to get some food in me, and I would like to see what it looks like when they're setting up. I didn't expect to be there when cameras are rolling or anything. And I just barely was. But what I did get to see was them bring in a huge poster of shadow of the cat where people were doing like step and repeat photos next to. Wow. Not me, <laughs> not me. I ordered a, a, a charcuterie plate and then left. And the moment I got home, I looked on Instagram and who walked into sir. Danny Trejo with no. Lisa Vanderpump. No. Taking photos with people, having a great time. And I was blown away. And it was one of those things where it's like, I wasn't going to get all bent out of shape on it. I wasn't going to have FOMO because there was no way I was going to stay there that late anyway. You know what I mean? It was like, I already knew I was going to be leaving early. I was tired, but it was so cool to be like, wow. Although, Bill, I will say, I did have to sign a release, and I was in a couple of things that they were shot for, like, crowd viewing. So there Ugh. there could be an episode that when they're panning over the bar or the dining area before they get into uh, a scene where Peter's telling people to do their job, uh, you might see me in an orange baseball cap. Dude, I am going to so where's Waldo this episode when it comes out. It's not even going to be funny. I I would bet money that I will not be seen whatsoever. But hey, signing a release, it's just happy to be. uh, I'm just happy to be nominated. You know, it's great. It's always nice to be in the in the running. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, Bill, you know, sometimes we've been doubling up on letters or we've been reading letters at the end. But now that we're coming to the end of our first series or season of Bill and Rob's an excellent adventure. I think we should just talk about that for a second. Do you, do you feel like it's everything it's meant to be? Has it, has it fulfilled the, the hole in your heart that needed to be filled by a podcast with me? Uh, it's the only thing that has come close, uh, just short of my actual wedding. Oh, but yeah, actually it has been, uh, like we started at the beginning of this, of the series here for me, I was not expecting to do this. Uh, this was an offer you extended to me a while ago to be your co-host. And I was a little nervous about it, but I got to say, you're my friend and just talking to my friend every week about fun movies and having a good time and finding a way to put this positive spin on all this stuff has just been a 
great, great release for me. It, honestly, folks, these movies could have been about anything, and I still would have had a rocking time with Rob's. But I'm glad we picked these, and we got to do the the off-predator-adjacent movies that we did and have a lot of fun with those. You know, this was kind of our proof of concept. You know, you get to the end of something, and that'll really tell you whether you want to keep doing it, and I very much want to keep doing this. This is great fun, and I'm hoping that all of you out there are having just as much fun as we are. Well, I couldn't have said it better than myself. I know that we went through a few iterations. We worked on what we were going to do during the pandemic, the the strong parts of the pandemic, during lockdown proper. And the show went through a couple of different iterations. As we've stated towards the beginning, this was going to be Pumpkin Spice or, or the revamp of Pumpkin Spice podcast. And, you know, it, it just developed into its own thing. You know, we were going to watch... Um, all 80s movies and then it was like oh well where do we find the middle ground and i really think that the middle ground is us realizing that like we just like to talk about things that we like and i'll be the first to admit that we're not always perfect and we don't always hit the mark and that there are you know blind spots and areas that we can you know talk about better or more and maybe we'll talk about some of these movies again you know like we're not going to hit everything perfectly every single time and i think that has been one of the best parts about doing it with you is because each time we watch a movie builds on the last you know mm-hmm. so if we want to come back to predator the original in a year and and see if we have a different take on it maybe that'll happen you know who knows that that's why this podcast is a sandbox. But the other thing is, is that like we banked a lot of runway so that you could have some free time after getting married. You know, yes. you've Very got a lot of stuff on your plate. And part of that means that we still have to continue our next series, which we have not finished yet as of this record. We're going a little bit more in depth. We've got a couple more guests. We've got some things that take a little bit more time because the format changes depending on the theme. And then what does that mean in terms of whittling down the movies within that theme? And we just don't want to rush it. We want to make sure that we have a good runway so that we don't have to always say, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode so that we have time to edit it all, record it, and make sure we get all our notes down. Hell, sometimes we'll take a week off, but we want to plan these things. And what I have planned, and Bill, I hope hope you're okay with this. We're going to record an episode that is, that is a standalone oh. where you and I, and, and maybe we'll invite a friend on just to watch the pilot of Baywatch Nights. Does that, oh. sound, does that sound good? You're never going to get me upset by telling me I have to watch something with the Hoff in it, Robs. And you get a vacation. We can bank a couple more episodes in the, in the new series. And while you're doing that, I will bring on a guest or two, do some one-offs, have some fun, go on my own adventure with some friends while you're on your own non-recorded adventure. I think this is great. I think this is just like when we were flipping channels when we were kids. You can always come back to the main event, but sometimes you got to see what's on another channel for a little while. It's summertime. It's, uh, you know, these these opportunities don't come up all the time. So we got to take advantage of them. 
But when you do come back and we do launch season two proper, you want to tell the people what we've got in store for them? I think I can do that. We decided that since Rob's and I are big comic book fans and there's a lot going on out there right now, we live in a golden age of this series. We talk about all that stuff as it comes along, but I we got to thinking maybe we should shine a light on some earlier stuff. So we are going to go back in time and we are going to look at what we have decided to call the groovy Marvel universe. So we are going to take a run at several movies pre MCU, the stuff that got everybody to this point, the big juggernaut that is wasn't back in those days. And there's a lot of neat, fun stuff to look at. So we're going to dive back into several of those movies and see if we can't dig up some interesting facts. I know we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some great guests on some episodes. It's just exactly what we set out with this show to do is we're going to do a series and we come up with a new fun idea and keeps it fresh for everybody. Gives us a new series of topics to talk about. Always trying to bring you guys something new and interesting to listen to. So that's going to be what series two is. And hopefully we've got some comic book fans that will come along for the ride and some new people who just might be interested in hearing what it was like to grow up in the late 70s and 80s as I sat on the living room floor on my badly used green carpet, eating some Doritos and watching some non-CGI superheroes take to the screen. Non-MCU Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of a wilder, wilder take? I, I, you almost forgot they even existed. That's true, and that's the criminal part, and we are going to, much like a hero, swoop in and right this wrong. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And you know what else is fun, Bill? When people call the adventure line. Yes. And let us know their thoughts, their questions, so that we can play those messages, well, hopefully in season two, because uh, we're saving the ones that we've got so far, because... We don't want to just throw them in at the end of the Predator series. We need to save them for some special things coming up. So if you'd like to call the Adventure Line, that line is 213-545-6176, or click the link in the show description to leave us a message. Bill, there's other things they can click, like the Discord, where you can talk about this episode, talk about other television movies, other podcasts. It's a fun little discussion. You can also, and if you've come this far in the series and haven't helped us financially, no judgment, but if you have gotten anything from this podcast and you feel like shelling over a dollar for us as a tip to help you keep the lights on, please do. That's billandrobs.gumroad.com. The link is in the show description. You can also follow us on all the social medias. It's terrific okay it's something that's really helpful but the biggest thing you can do is just share the podcast with your friends and family right? absolutely it's free it's easy just let some people know we're out there the we don't expect our regular listeners to carry the load and actually we want more of those listeners as we go we say a lot of the times here at bill and rob's we don't have fans we have friends so friends help each other out and the easy way to do that just let somebody know you like our show give them a link share it on your own stuff reply back to us we'll retweet it we'll send it out there into the world and do that kind of thing 
creative stuff runs on sharing and spreading the word and getting new people involved. That's how we keep doing this. And we want to keep doing this for many more series to come, not just the next one. Hell, so, maybe even the Planet of the Apes series. That I'm maybe. Yeah. Going Apes, coming to your podcatcher 2032. <laughs> but coming to you right now are our thank yous. So let's say thanks to Jothan for our podcast art. It's wonderful. We love it. It jumps out in your app like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon, but scarier. And with me and Bill on it. And a bunch of other tropey monsters. Now, we also want to say thank you to Patrick for helping us edit these episodes. Patrick, you've done a great job. Please shout out your own podcast in the Discord so that people can follow it if you love niche football. Um, Got to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for the theme song. Their links to their band camps are in the show description. So support a local musician. I would say support Draxium and Dr. Z first because uh, I'm selfish like that. Uh, I love the theme song. I love the interstitials and we couldn't have made it without their musical knowledge. And Bill, I'm forgetting one person uh, who we've been thinking so much. One very important person. That is Mrs. Columbo, who has added her voice to the show. She does a QA for us. We finish every episode. We hand it off to her, and she puts a polished eye to it. Rob's and I sometimes, you know, once you get something done, you're too deep in it to see it. And she helps us pick out anything we need to address, go back for, lets us know, hey, this sounds good. Sounds like it's going to be fun. We want it to be a good experience for everybody. And she is a big, big part of making that happen. So thanks to her. Yes. Uh, all, the note is always, this sounds great, but it could sound better. And then we go back in the studio and we make the episode sound better. It's a wonderful experience knowing that we've got that extra set of ears on the pod. Um, Bill, thanks for a great first season, buddy. This has been a lot of fun. It's been amazing. Thanks for giving me this opportunity, Robs. It was really great, and I'm really glad I did this with you. Hell yeah. Well, everyone, keep your podcasts open because I got some special treats for you. While Bill relaxes on the beach on his honeymoon with a daiquiri of sorts. Mm -hmm. So enjoy that, Bill, and uh, enjoy this, audience. Thank you so much. Now send this link of, to this episode to your family group chat. It'll be great. Yeah, they won't mind at all. Bye. Bye.